You're listening to RTNT, Radio Totally Normal Toronto. My mental illness allows me to be more compassionate. I don't let it stop me from what I have to do in life. My mental health helps me relate to other people. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm at peace with my mental illness. Mental illness saved my life. My mental illness has helped me learn about myself. It's given me a new outlook on life. Hello, my name is Gaetan Jeunesse and you are listening to Radio Totally Normal Toronto, a podcast that provides a voice for community mental health. And I'm Donna. Welcome to the show. RTNT is a podcast produced by the members and staff of Progress Place, a recovery center for people living with mental illness located in Toronto. Today, we are diving into circus, but this is a podcast about mental health. What does circus have to do with mental health? Well, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got involved in circus in a time of my life that I wanted to be participating in the arts. Maybe my experience will explain how circus and mental health do have quite a lot to do with each other. So five years ago, I was living in Montreal and was attending support groups. And uh, through them, I learned about circus and theater. And I joined and I can honestly say that uh, it was a life-changing experience. As we listen to today's interview, I'll be talking about how circus affected my life. So expect to hear me pop up between interview questions. Well, you've got me intrigued now, but let's get to our guests. RTNT member Julie met up with Rachel David, the founder of SoCirc, as well as participants Izzy Verrier and Dai Di Natale at a coffee shop before they headed out to an aerial workshop. SoCirc stands for Social Circus Circle, a group founded in 2012 here in Toronto providing social development and support for marginalized youth using circus arts. So here's that interview. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm with Radio Totally Normal Toronto. Could you tell us a little bit about yourselves? I'm Isabel. I'm a, an amazing circus performer. I've been doing circus for three years. I'm a ringleader and uh, I do a bunch of other stuff. Stilts, too. My name is Rachel. Uh, I'm the founder of So Cirque, also known as Social Circus Circle. Um, I've been uh, doing circus for 25, 30 years or so. I uh, started So Cirque about five years ago. I love social circus and would like it to grow more in Toronto. And my name is Dai. I'm an all-around funny dude. <laughs> I've been doing a circus for two years now because time flies. And um, I do staff spinning, uh, a lot of clowning and juggling. How do you hope it helps participants? It's a social circus program, which is about uh, building, uh, just using circus arts to build life and social skills like trust, trusting other people, trusting yourself, building community, communication skills, teamwork. Uh, we work with uh, various different populations, those 
who have had mental health experiences, those with special needs, and various other populations. But basically, I hope that it makes people comfortable to be themselves and to find a route for artistic expression, a route to be physically active, and to have uh, happier, healthier lives, both mentally and physically. Hi, it's Gaetan again. When I hear Rachel talking about trusting yourself and trusting others, I think of how it's important to have a social system if you're triggered or being bullied. The trust, the teamwork skills, the exercises that I've, that I've practiced in circus are what gave me the ability to create that for myself and to balance with the help of others, to slowly lean into someone else and share the weight of our shackles. But let's head back to the cafe and hear from Izzy and Dai about how circus has impacted them. How does So Cirque affect your well-being personally? So Cirque helps my well-being personally through um, giving me something to do during the day, giving me something to work towards, giving me a sense of purpose. Social Circus Circle has helped me with uh, my anxiety. I noticed that when I first started juggling, it actually helped a lot. And I do hope that it helps people with the same problems with like fidgeting and all that because it takes your mind off everything. And it's just like that little bubble that you could just have peace. I find what Dai is saying really touching, and I would agree. If you're with the right people and there is trust, then you can just let go and do some very good work. That sounds really liberating. I think what you were saying about letting go and expressing ties into what Dai, Izzy, and Rachel have to say about Sosirk practices and performances. RTNT had the chance to check out the Sosirk performance at Pedestrian Sunday in Kensington Market last June. We've integrated some of the audio from the performance into the interview. Uh, could you tell us about your practices and performances? For me, the performances, what I like the most is actually the atmosphere for everything. Um, you, you're doing your thing and you're looking out in the crowd and everyone's just having so much fun with you. Even if you mess up, uh, they, they just cheer you on. And uh, in my performances, I love doing a comedic role to everything, even if it's just juggling. I just kind of put my humor into it and it makes everyone cheer even more. As well as like my staff's uh, spinning, I like to improvise and surprise myself a lot of the time. Um, for the workshops, if someone has their own skill set and let's say you don't have it, they, they're totally willing to help you and they're totally willing to teach you and there's like no judgment in any of our workshops or anything. And I just love that. Uh, practices are actually really good. Um, they, it teaches you all the skills you need to know and pushes you into a little, like, to out of your boundaries. So, like, teaching people how to juggle or teaching people stilts when in their regular life they wouldn't necessarily do that. The most beautiful thing is um, a newer participant and their first few workshops 
um, kind of seeing people, and, and sometimes it takes longer, but seeing seeing people have a wall up or inside of their shell or just simply believing that they couldn't do anything like that, uh, they're not coordinated or um, they don't, they aren't aware of what their body can do or that they can work with other people at all or touch other people. We do a lot of social games and trust building exercises and we build everything up so slowly that it's almost like they don't even realize sometimes how much they're advancing until suddenly they're like, oh my God, I'm juggling or oh my God, I'm doing this, uh, partner balancing thing that I never ever thought I was capable of. I didn't know I was that strong or that fearless. And uh, that's that's my favorite moments in our workshops. Oh wow, that's awesome. Did you ever think you couldn't do something and then it happened, Gaten? Yes, I was doing flips on the trampoline and I remembered as a kid I could never do the flips, but this time I did it. And I, I, my body was ready for it and I had practiced and I did the, the flip on the trampoline. I was scared, but I did it anyway and got confidence in return. That sounds really satisfying, Gaten. Do you ever get scared? Yes, of course. When I was doing trapeze, I would tell myself the line from the Quebecois movie La Rage de l'Ange. The main character is walking on a high beam uh, with his friend above the ground and he, he says, Je te tiens, tu me tiens, on se lâche pas. Which means, I'm holding you, you're holding me, we won't let go. Whoa, that's a great mantra. Did you accomplish the trapeze trick? I did. I've done tons of tricks in trapeze, uh, but let's get back to the interview. What uh, kind of circus disciplines do participants learn? Our whole approach with social circus is actually that it's uh, participant-based. Every instructor comes with a certain skill set. Some is traditional circus, like uh, trapeze or aerial skills. But we do also try to listen to the interests of the participants. Sometimes there's a lot of visual artists in the group. And then we might focus on mask making or um, circus makeup workshop. Sometimes there's very athletic people or skateboarders. We've done an act before uh, juggling on skateboards. So it's actually quite fluid and changing. But we usually start workshops by introducing uh, the participants to some of the things that are very good um, way to enter into it, like object manipulation stuff. Um, you may have heard Di mention earlier staff, which is a, a long stick that you kind of do tricks with. There's something called poi. For people who are handy, we do um, uh, equipment making in some some of our workshops. Uh, we have juggling scarves, juggling clubs, which are, look like bowling pins, juggling balls, uh, stilt walking, uh, unicycle, human pyramid building, hand-to-hand, -hand, acrobatics. We're going to have an aerial workshop today. We'll be doing hammock, aerial tissue or silks, trapeze and spinning hoop. Oh, Diablo. That's my favorite. One of my favorites, uh, which is uh, also called Chinese yo-yo. We do clown. We do a lot of theater games to get comfortable uh, with that sort of stuff and clown workshops. So a lot of fun stuff. And oh, and the best part actually is it's not always the facilitators of the workshops that are, are teaching. Um, we've gone into some groups that uh, have participants with a lot of skills that they can share as well. And then uh, we can be the learners um, and be vulnerable in that way. 
that's a lot of different skills to learn. I think it's really interesting that a lot of the workshops are based on participants' interests and skills. We put videos and links on our websites that show you some of the circus disciplines that Rachel is talking about to give you an idea of what they look like and what they're about. For me, acrobatics and dance are the disciplines that I like the best because of the flow aspect of them. I admire people who can connect to their emotions and who are expressive and work on instinct. That, that circus really helps you doing that. Who's your audience? We have a, a wide variety of audience that comes to our shows. On pedestrian Sundays, we usually have a lot of people coming in and watching from just from walking by and enjoying. There's a lot of children that enjoy watching us, but there's also a lot of adults that enjoy watching us. So it, it's a wide variety of age. We asked a young audience member about her favorite parts of the Pedestrian Sunday show we heard a little of before. This is what Myrna had to say. How did you like the show today? I loved it. What was your favorite part? I'd say the part with the, um, the, the race. Cool. What did you think of that snake over there? As Izzy was saying, uh, a lot of our audience members are very supportive. Um, for our drop-in program, where we partner with Sketch, um, we have two annual shows. We always perform at least once a year at Pedestrian Sunday, uh, which is um, a great venue just because it is very accessible. It's a street show. Uh, Izzy, our ring mistress, talks about what the program is about. People tend to be very supportive. Um, we also do uh, an annual show at the Sketch Showcase, which is our host organization. And so all of their other programs have an opportunity to share the art they've been doing, and we share our show with them as well. So it's really nice to see what the other programs in the space are doing, and they get to see what we've been working on. We go into uh, secondary alternative schools with high populations of marginalized youth. And so in those cases, and, and all our shows, uh, they're optional. Participants don't have to perform. We never put that kind of uh, pressure on it. The performances are really just an opportunity to share the process. Um, so when we go into schools, it actually we leave it up to the group as a whole to make that decision. A, if there's going to be a show, and B, who is that audience going to be? So different schools decide different things. Um, we, we are in uh, the Aboriginal Education Center, uh, the Triangle Program, which is a program for LGBTQ youth, um, contact alternative, uh, Hayden Park. It's always uh, up to the participants um, what shows they do and who the audience is going to be. How are the skills that are developed and practiced at SoCirc transferable to other aspects of people's lives? That's a good question. Um, a lot of people think when we're doing these programs that um, it, it, the goal is uh, to kind of create work and, and skills that might result in someone becoming a circus instructor or a circus performer or a social circus performer. Um, but that's not necessarily the goal. It just happens to be the goal in certain participants' cases. Like uh, Izzy here, for example, uh, Dai, for example, they're very interested in circus. They would like to become instructors and performers. They already are. Uh, and uh, Izzy, Izzy here um, also even started a business making juggling balls so lots of stuff related to circus when the passion is there but really what it is for each participant 
Um, whether the life goals are circus or circus-related things or something completely nothing to do with that, the ability to um, communicate with other people, work with other people, have the confidence of not being able to do something at all and realizing that when you learn a technique or when you learn how or when you practice um, and have the confidence to do that and fail over and over again until you can do it, uh, learning that skill is translatable to anything and working in a team and and self-esteem in general. But circus is just such such a good metaphor for so many things in life. Like to be a juggler, you have to be very good at dropping over and over again and being okay with that. And you can translate that skill to any any anything you do in life, really. It doesn't even have to be job-related. So um, we we love giving that self-esteem to our participants and, and receiving it from our participants as well. I would like to say something about the transferable skills because I've actually used some in my own workplace. I work at a cafe and during my circus year last year, actually, I was used a lot as a base, which is where you actually carry people on your back or on your shoulders, like just pure strength. And that's... Um, helped me actually be able to carry more than usual. And a lot of people actually rely on me now because I have that strength and that like perseverance, I guess I can say. Also with the juggling balls, always picking up stuff and all that, you, you gain a, quite a bit of muscle there because you're kind of like squatting for three hours. So <laughs> that's how I would like to put it. I feel you've also gained a lot of confidence in yourself and that, that's shown through through being around you a lot. Something that I learned and I tried to implement in other parts of my life is trying to share my best, but also making space for everybody uh, because you are part of a team and I want to let other people shine. My ideas won't always be used and the criticism makes you a better performer. It teaches you to be okay with yourself, with your own style, and appreciate being boring. You're not only influenced, but you influence others and become part of a family. You exchange beliefs. I also learned a lot about dealing with conflict and developing tolerance. I'll give you an example. In the workshop I attended, the situation was getting pretty tense and there was annoyance, so we had an activity that put me and another in conflict in the center and made a game of getting closer and farther away, attraction and repulsion, making yourself big and dominant and submissive. It reminded me of a tribal thing. The day ended that my opponent looked me in the eye and saw me as a human being and hugged me. That's incredible. What an interesting way to turn something that could have been negative into something positive. Let's get back to Julie and Rachel who also talk about turning obstacles into possibilities for something positive. What is the most challenging part of facilitating SoCirc? The challenge may also be part of what I love about it. Um, I love how it's never predictable. Um, we make plans. We almost never execute those plans. People aren't always always consistent with their attendance. Uh, so it can be very challenging to kind of create that trust and create that safe space and also to create shows. You never know who's going to be there. So it can be, it can be challenging because uh, what we do really want to do is build relationships and build on that. Uh, but uh, it's also kind of what I love about it because 
we never know what to expect. And sometimes the most beautiful moments come when we are doing something we didn't plan at all or being injured, for sure, uh, happens and people can't participate. And we do get very creative with those moments. We do the workshops and take people as they are. So on certain days, um, sometimes uh, we all have those days and people don't have the capacity to do something that we may have planned. And then we have to think on our feet and do something completely different. And sometimes we come up the most with the most creative, amazing things that we never expected, as well as uh, social issues that come up. Those are also great opportunities to have discussions. And after a lot of our exercises that we do, we do have uh, circles and discussions where everyone has a chance to speak and work things out that they're discovering through those exercises. In my experience, activities at the end of the workshop varied. Sometimes we would set goals for next time. Also, in the circle at the end, we describe the workshop with one word. This lets us share our state of mind and feel whatever we were feeling. We, we sometimes have uh, participants that would uh, say compliments about other people's strength. We'd end the class with making the dust come out of the carpet, with everybody banging on the floor with their hands and yelling. Uh, one time, another participant brought a ukulele and played it at the end of a practice. It was a magical moment that you could never be recreated in the show. It was just for us. Do people ever get injured? People do get injured for sure, just like anything else. But the thing about circus is uh, just the idea of circus already... Um, ignites a bit of fear in people because people consider it to be so dangerous. But I think that's actually part of uh, a wonderful thing about the process is that there's no choice because of certain risks that we're taking is that we support each other and spot each other. So that's actually part of the social process of learning how to support each other and making sure we communicate to make sure we're spotting each other in the right way and making sure everyone's safe physically and emotionally. Uh, so yeah, I think that that risk management is one of the great parts of circus, making sure it's safe and also knowing how to take risks. I think that element is absent on our lives a lot these days. So I think it's a, an important thing for resiliency. Thank you, Rachel. Do you think circus or maybe social circus more specifically can have a positive impact on a person's mental health? I, I definitely believe that it they can have a positive impact. It, it has a, had a positive impact positive impact on on me personally uh i suffer with depression and anxiety and whenever i do circus it gets me out of that headspace and again gives me purpose so that i'm not sitting in the in my headspace uh, i definitely think it has a positive impact on mental health for so many reasons Um, having that social support and feeling of community, um, having a space you can go and feel comfortable in space outside of your home, getting out of the house. Uh, physical activity is such a huge element uh, for mental well-being. Um, artistic expression, kind of getting those feelings and those thoughts out in some sort of um, venue of, for artistic expression. Um, it's very healing. Uh, there's so many other reasons I feel like I can't even say them all right now. I believe 100% in the mental health, it'll help the mental health of anyone who kind of goes through it. Because me personally, it helped a lot. Um, every time I'm doing something creative in circus, it just completely destroys any 
type of depression or anxiety that I have. So I full on agree that people should try it. In my case, it has helped me have a better image of myself. I also love that circus connects me with my physical body. It helps me value eating, exercising, and taking care of myself. These days, I do yoga and exercise at least three times a week. Another thing is that I find it very healing to have environments with interesting colors, textures, and patterns. Being a hands-on person, circus allows me to experiment with different roles as I develop my identity, which was something that I had a hard time with in life up until now, because I was raised more to obey. It also helped me being vulnerable when I was used to never show imperfection. I came to see that vulnerability equals strength. It's also very social, uh, involving touch, community building, learning from each other, teamwork and trust. Can you tell us about your like the Cirque du Soleil? Um, Cirque du Soleil uh, has a uh, social action department called Cirque du Monde. Uh, they are one of the leaders in social circus. Um, they're they've been very supportive in the uh, our process of starting So Cirque here in Toronto. Um, so they are actually supporting our Red Light project this year, which is the drop-in program. Uh, that we do with Sketch, where we perform at Pedestrian Sundays in Kensington Market. They are helping us out this year and last year by allowing us to sell Cirque du Soleil tickets. So there's a brand new Cirque du Soleil show. It's called Volta. We are selling tickets for the Thursday, September 28th show. And if you purchase them through us at socirque.ca, S-O-C-I-R-C, Cirque du Soleil will generously donate all the profits, 100% of the profits of those sales to our program so that we can provide free programming throughout the year. Thanks. I'd like to thank you for your time. Um, I know you have to leave. Um, so I uh, guess that's all for now. Thanks for having us. And I, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to say people do circus. Like it'll, it'll, it, it brings out another, another world. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us. If anyone uh, who's listening is interested in participating themselves, please feel free to get in touch. We have a, a Facebook group where we kind of interact all the time and share opportunities uh, and workshops and different shows that are happening. So stay in touch and get involved. The website is socirc, S-O-C-I-R-C dot C-A. And um, the same word, you can find the uh, Facebook page um, on Facebook, So Cirque, Social Circus Circle, and you'll find us there. All I have to say is we'll be waiting. Wow, I feel like I have learned a lot from listening to this interview, but also from hearing about your experiences as well, Gaten. Thank you. Does it make you want to try out circus? Yeah, honestly, I did Pilates before, uh, aerobics, and Taibo. And I think it made me want to join American Ninja Warriors. <laughs> so, we have come to the end of this episode of Radio Totally Normal Toronto. If you want to hear previous episodes, check out our website at www.radiototallynormaltoronto.org or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. 
leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our show. We have posted all the links to the different organizations you heard about today. And if you would like to support So Cirque by buying Cirque du Soleil tickets for Volta, visit www.socirque.ca. You must buy the tickets through the SoCirc website to support SoCirc. If you want to know more about that or how to get involved with SoCirc, visit them on Facebook and Instagram where there are SoCirc or Social Circus Toronto. If you're interested in any of the circus disciplines you heard about today, Gaten also put together a collection of YouTube videos. Those are up on our website as well. Music on today's episode was from Keith Holmes, some original piano compositions from Gaten and from Poddington Bear. Visit www.radiototallynormaltoronto.org for links and details of music on today's episode. Once again, thank you for joining us. To take us out, Gaten has some jokes, something he is adding to his circus performances, so here's a sneak peek. Have a great day, everyone, and thank you. The worst advice that I got from a therapist when angry is stomp your feet, clap your hands, and do the hokey pokey. My true diagnosis is trying to fix everybody else. This is my mother's reaction when she learned about my depression. Oh, so cute. I'm doing this program because I have 10 years of therapy to recover from. I, uh, I'm good at acting and uh, people don't know if I, I'm pretending or not. Uh, but the trouble is I don't either. I have only one tonal expression and it's this one. Uh, I used to uh, w wait for hours for my worker. All the good times we had. When I first meet someone, in my family we don't get mad. We get disappointed. <laughs>